Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome in. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico on this spectacular Wednesday morning. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And as well, your car's needs now come with a reward. With the AutoZone Rewards Program, spend $20 five times and earn a $20 reward. So sign up today. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Well, Boys and girls, the NBA was certainly in a zone yesterday. An absolutely wild day that potentially promises also a wild Wednesday and a wild Thursday as well. The news dropping fast and furious as everybody scrambles to try to find a way to make their team better in advance of Thursday evening's NBA draft. The Lakers were the most active team trying to set up potentially an opportunity to make a play for LeBron James at the end of next year when he can opt out of his contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers. That very uncertainty surrounding LeBron James seems also to have cost them their GM now, the Cavs, and obviously, potentially, Paul George and Jimmy Butler, neither of whom seems willing to commit to the Cleveland Cavaliers which makes it hard for the Cavs to make any moves at all, which would be centered around Kevin Love probably being traded in order to add either of those players. Reports are out there that Jimmy Butler said he does not want to leave Chicago. Paul George's preference seems to be to stay with the Lakers. The major trade that was made yesterday, at least the biggest trade that was made yesterday, the Lakers shipped D'Angelo Russell across the country to join the Nets, along with Tim uh, Mozgov, who had an awful contract. And in exchange, they get one of the Lopez brothers and his expiring contract. Um, And so, in general, it is a uh, 
it is now set up where it appears that the Lakers are going to draft Lonzo Ball with the number two overall pick and potentially be able to get a deal done for Paul George. Reports that the uh, that the Pacers are offering two draft picks, the 27th and the 28th this year, along with a player of the Pacers' choice in exchange for Paul George. And reports also that the Pacers want that number two pick, which the Lakers have been so far unwilling to give up. As if that were not enough, Dwight Howard also traded to Charlotte from Atlanta. The star-crossed career of Dwight Howard continues, and we are left with several questions lingering out there. But I think probably the biggest and the most impressive and the most important and the one that has the most of a linchpin association with it is what are the Cavs going to do? What are the Cavs going to do to try to compete with the Golden State Warriors? It seems that the Cavs have recognized, maybe later than everybody else, uh uh-oh, we got whipped by Golden State and we're not close to being able to compete with them. But the rumor, and at least the expectation, that LeBron James is not going to re-up with the Cleveland Cavaliers has become such a tidal wave that many of the players that the Cavs need, including Jimmy Butler and Paul George potentially, in order to make a dent in that dynasty of the Golden State Warriors, are not willing to make the move. Because they're saying, wait a minute, why would I commit myself to the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron James can leave after this year and then I'm left behind in Cleveland with a team that has no chance to win a championship? Jimmy Butler saying he'd rather uh, stay in Chicago and try to win a championship there. Paul George obviously uh, still prefers, as he has for the entire offseason and has been rumored for a long time, to go to the Lakers. So there are several teams out there that still have a lot of uncertainty as the draft emerges closer. I think the Lakers had the most, as we talked yesterday, in terms of uncertainty, and they were kind of the fulcrum upon which uh, much of these uh, these decisions kind of waited, and they got one big deal done. Congratulations to Magic Johnson getting rid of that awful Mozgov contract uh, and theoretically opening up a lot of salary cap space by adding one of the Lopez brothers who was going to have an expiring contract at the end of next year. But the big question remains, what will LeBron James do? And then how will it impact the three teams that are trying to make the most moves, it appears right now, the Lakers, the Pacers, and the Cavs? LeBron James' shadow looming large. Do we believe that LeBron James will, in fact, leave at the end of next year and join the Lakers? If he does join the Lakers, what's LeBron James's plan? Because I think that's one of the most interesting questions. If we assume that LeBron James is going to leave the Cavs, do we really think that Paul George, Lonzo Ball, and LeBron James, especially given the fact that they'd be competing in the Western Conference, is better than the trio that he has now with Kyrie Irving and with Kevin Love? I don't think that team is good enough to beat the Warriors. You almost have to rely on the Warriors breaking up, or you have to rely on creating some space and maybe trying to go sign Klay Thompson in two years when his contract is up. If you stole Klay Thompson away from the Warriors and you paired him with Lonzo Ball, LeBron James, and Paul George, maybe that's a trio you could rely on. That also puts a lot of onus on how good Lonzo Ball is. It creates an incredibly dramatic situation as well. Can you imagine... LeVar Ball that close to LeBron James. They already had one kind of uh, flare-up 
over LeVar Ball talking about how the best basketball players typically ended up not coming from superstars. And LeBron James, remember, said, keep your fam- yeah, my, keep my family's name out of your mouth, essentially. What in the world is going on here? Could it be, and I've been asking this question for a while, could it be that everybody is not is missing something here, that maybe LeBron James is interested in going to a new team and he's got his sights set on what I kind of laid out as potentially his plan for next year, the year after, obviously, 2017, 2018, when he becomes a free agent, that maybe he's going to take a lot less than guaranteed money than he can. Maybe he's not going to demand that he become a max contract guy. And if that's true, it could potentially open the Lakers up to the opportunity to become a super team. But all of that relies upon clearing up more cap space for the Lakers. All of that relies upon getting Paul George. And the Lakers seem to be intent on doing that. Meanwhile, it also asks the question right now, has anybody actually made a move at all that makes them remotely competitive with the Golden State Warriors? My answer is no. And ultimately, are we just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic here? And everybody knows that the way this season is going to end is with the Warriors dominating. And the moves are not even about this year. They're about next year. The Cavs seem to be the only team trying to make a move this year that puts them in competition with the Warriors. And so far, they've been unable to make Paul George or Jimmy Butler interested in the idea of coming to play with them and try to beat the Warriors. Again, so much drama, so much uncertainty. The NBA regular season has paled in comparison to the NBA offseason as we try to make sense of all these different potential moves. If you're not following the crew here on Twitter, you're basically wasting your lives because at any moment, insanity may truly break out and every news story breaks a long time before it actually breaks on television or radio, usually on Twitter. So we will see what the news is to become. I will bring in the crew in the next segment. Bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to John Campbell. I will ask him whether or not uh, he has seen any odds movement at all or do the Warriors remain steadfast no matter what happens in the draft as well as in these trades so far with their 100% likelihood just about to win another title. We will talk about all of that. DeAndre Jordan potentially on the move as well with the Clippers. One guy that hasn't been talked about very much at all, Chris Paul. What is Chris Paul going to do? Is he going to re-up with the Clippers, or is there a possibility that the Spurs are trying to put together a package to be able to lure him down there, given the fact that Pau Gasol is now taking less money than he would have been entitled to down with the Spurs? What is the expectation? What are the plays? Where in the world are the Cavs going to be when this thing is all said and done, where are the Lakers going to be? And will the Pacers get something for Paul George? And I'll ask you this question. Is it crazy for me to ask, should the Cavs consider trying to trade LeBron James? He's got an option in terms of where he goes. But if he's going to leave after next year, everybody's talking about the Pacers trying to make a move to ensure that they're not left holding the bag when Paul George just walks out as a free agent like Kevin Durant did. Why aren't people asking the same question about the Cavs and LeBron James? I will. Where would LeBron James potentially go? Could he be traded? Could that end up being a blockbuster move? We'll see. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. What's going to happen with LeBron? It's up next here on Fox Sports Radio.
Live from the Geico, Fox Sports Radio Studios. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. All of these moves in the NBA, and the NBA offseason so far has been more entertaining than the NBA actual season, seem designed in some sense to try and prepare for an era when LeBron James becomes a free agent. So far, all the teams that are making moves, that have made moves, none of them seem designed right now to make a run at the Golden State Warriors crown. Now, maybe the Spurs have something planned. Maybe the Cavs are going to be able to work out something in some form or fashion. But so far, if anything, all that these moves seem to have done is strengthen the grip that the Golden State Warriors have on the title. And also, everybody seems to be terrified of getting left behind like OKC did with Kevin Durant, where you lose a top player and in exchange you receive nothing. That's the motivation for the Paul George trade that may or may not happen. That's why the Lakers are after him. That's why the Cavs are after him. That's why there have been Boston. A lot of different teams connected trying to make a play to get Paul George as a part of their team. But what's fascinating to me is... No one is talking about trying to do anything with LeBron James. Now, LeBron James has a no-trade clause, so obviously he would have to be involved in any decision to leave the Cavaliers. But if he's going to leave after next year, why is nobody asking the question, why are the Cavs comfortable being potentially left with nothing when LeBron James opts out of his contract after this coming season? Everybody's obsessed with asking that question about the Indiana Pacers and Paul George. Why isn't everybody asking that question about LeBron James? Is it possible that there could be a need to try and package LeBron James and see if you go ahead and let him start working on the next iteration of his career now? Why is that topic not being discussed anywhere? Is it because the expectation is, well, they can still win the Eastern Conference and go to the finals? And that's worth it? even if you know he's going to leave after next year, and even if everybody who watched that series against the Golden State Warriors said, man, I don't feel very good about the Cavs' chances to win a seven-game series against this Warriors team when they're returning the top four players. Maybe the Warriors get a little bit worse if they lose Andre Iguodala. Maybe they can make some moves at the margins. But if Jimmy Butler's not coming, and if Paul George is not coming because of the uncertainty surrounding LeBron James, why in the world would the Cavs not explore the idea of trying to get something for LeBron James instead of losing him with nothing to show for it? Is it simply that because they've already got one championship and they feel like they can at least contend for one next year that they don't need to make any moves at all, even if LeBron walks? Isn't that a bad way of thinking? Shouldn't the Cavs be proactive just like the Pacers are trying to be with Paul George? In other words, if you're sitting around out there and you're saying, well, the Pacers don't want to get left with Paul George, they better, with Paul George walking out and leaving them nothing in exchange, they better make a move. Why is no one saying that about LeBron James and the Cavs? Let's bring in the crew in the wake of an incredibly productive and wild NBA Tuesday as the morning breaks on a new NBA Wednesday. Will it be as wild as Tuesday was? bring in Jason Martin, uh, Danny G, and my guys uh, out in L.A., uh, Justin. Um, Let me go ahead and start with this. 
do you think that Paul George is several questions out there? So I'm going to give you a couple of questions to begin with and, and poll you guys. And then we're going to go at the bottom of the hour to my guy, John Campbell from odd shark. And we'll see whether or not there's been any movement in any kind of, uh, of futures deals based on uh, the transactions that we've seen so far. Do you think that Paul George ends up with the Lakers? Because that expectation seems to be out there that ultimately the Pacers are going to agree to a deal and that Paul George wants to go to the Lakers, so it seems the most likely that he's going to go there. So is Paul George going to the Lakers? And are the Cavs able to make any moves at all? I would say those are the two biggest questions that are out there right now. Jason Martin, you're up first. Yes, I definitely think Paul George ends up a Laker, like I said yesterday. I think there's a better chance now that he ends up a Laker before the offseason of next year, although Indiana is asking for a King's ransom to get Paul George right now. If I'm the Lakers, I'm not giving away the number two pick when I have a really good shot at getting Paul George anyway next season. Like that just, to me, makes absolutely no sense. So I think we'll obviously we'll know a whole lot more in about 24 hours, but my my inclination is still to say I don't think Paul George is a Laker this year. It's possible it happens at the trade deadline, but I just I'm going to go ahead and suggest he's not going to be there until next year. And then the Cavs moves. And I think this is really interesting. I said I thought LeBron was going to stay. I'm wavering on that a little bit because I feel like Jimmy Butler would be all for going to Cleveland, but for the idea that he thinks LeBron James is not going to be there long term. So he doesn't want to mortgage his future to go somewhere that's about to become a dumpster fire. There was also a report that came out yesterday that Kyrie Irving has told people in Team USA Basketball and some of his very, very close friends that if LeBron leaves and he senses it coming, he may force a trade to get out of Cleveland himself when he realizes there's no possible way to win there anymore after LeBron leaves. So it's a possibility that Dan Gilbert, in the wake of this Griffin huge mistake that he's made, that he could end up losing LeBron and Kyrie Irving and not getting Jimmy Butler and having absolutely nothing and being right I, I back saw in that the report. I saw that report about Kyrie Irving, but why would they ever trade him? I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, they've I, got him. I I saw that report. It didn't didn't make any sense to me because they've got Kyrie Irving. I think it's locked up for three more years after this one. I mean, he there and he's obviously a great player who brings in a lot of attention and is fascinating to watch on the offensive side of the ball. So uh, that's one of the reports that I saw that made no sense. Like Kyrie Irving may want to be traded, but so what? I mean, if I'm if I'm Dan Gilbert, I'm like that's why I signed you to a multi year contract and I'm paying you twenty million dollars a year. The bigger question, I think, for Dan Gilbert is, why Why on earth would you not at least consider shopping LeBron James? Well, let me answer that, because I read this in a couple of different Cleveland uh, pieces of media yesterday, and I actually heard it nationally in a few places yesterday as well, because that question was sort of ballyhooed around and tossed around. And basically, the sentiment is, you can't trade LeBron out of Cleveland because the fans will absolutely riot on the team regardless because they don't care about the future they care about this one guy they do not like you can't let him go until he walks out the door they're willing to be Kevin Duranted it was kind of what I saw unanimously now is that stupid you can argue that one way or the other but these people are so tied to this one athlete because of his tertiary you know rule of where he came from and all of the things that he's done for the area and all of that that they simply won't allow him to be traded. Yeah, I just don't buy that. I mean, I think that's where when you're the owner, you have to do what's in the best interest of the team. And if LeBron James wants to get a head start on trying to build his next super team, 
there's no way if Jimmy Butler and Paul George truly are are putting up obstacles to the idea that they're going to be traded to Cleveland, then there's no way for Cleveland to put together any kind of team that can contend for a championship right now. It's almost like you just have to wait for the Warriors facade to crack. And that's why I would at least explore the possibility of putting LeBron James on the block. Like, where do you want to go, LeBron? You have a no-trade clause. It seems like you're interested in going to L.A. to join the Lakers. They've cleared a lot of cap room. Uh, Obviously, we could trade you. We could take a maybe an expiring contract from one of those. Maybe we take Lou Aldang, somebody that they have overpaid on the Lakers. And then as a Cavs fan, like you're opening up the future, you've still got Kevin Love, you've still got Kyrie Irving, and you would have a ton of cap space potentially opening up as a lot of guys come on the market. Um, I, I just think it's something you'd have to explore. Is that crazy Danny G and Justin, let's roll out to L.A.? First of all, the Lakers made moves. We talked about this yesterday. They needed to get rid of a couple of their big contracts. Well, they got rid of the Mozgov contract. The uncertainty that we were talking about yesterday was who would they take at number two? Well, now it seems pretty readily apparent that they are going to take Lonzo Ball unless something else happens in the trade market seems like Magic Johnson did a pretty good job getting out of one of those contracts do you think they get it done and Paul George is a Laker next year I'm pretty much on board with uh, with Jason on this I think it's I think it's a possibility you mentioned this briefly at the beginning of the show the uh, the idea out there that they're packaging the the number 27 and 28 and want to give them either Jordan Clarkson or Julius Randle to get Paul George now. Uh, I feel like as a fan of the Lakers, I'd be I'd be okay with that if it was Clarkson, not Randle. But you know, sending this number two pick over that's insanity when when he wants to come here anyway. I'd much rather just wait a year and have him you know come in free agency. And as far as the uh, the Cleveland thing goes, I- I'm with I'm with Jason on this. I think it is in the best interest of the franchise not to trade him because if the fans revolt on you, then they're not paying for tickets. And yeah, that does never happen. I it's just like it's all, always like people are not going to show up at the game. Like they show up, all right. Like the fans can be upset, but if LeBron is going to walk out next year and leave you with nothing behind, the fans are going to revolt again then, too. I really do think. Now, it'll be helped somewhat by the fact that he already won one title, and I think people in general in Cleveland will be like, we got what we wanted from LeBron James. He fulfilled the promise. I don't think – I think most Cleveland fans are rational enough to say, we're not going to win a championship next year. I think they are. I think they looked at what happened in the Golden State series, and they said, man, Golden State's just better than us. We won one game in this series, and it required us playing our best game maybe ever and one of the greatest, if not the greatest, offensive performances in the history of the NBA playoffs in order for us to just win a game. And so I just don't buy into this idea that the fans are completely out to lunch here and will lose their minds if LeBron James leaves a year before LeBron James leaves of his own volition. Uh, I, I think that, look, I mean, you still have Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. That's a team that makes the playoffs, right, in the East. At best. And, yeah, right. But, I mean, like, so what? And then you have a ton of cap space. I think so you're underestimating. You're, I, th- so I think you're underestimating. This is the strongest tie by far between one athlete and one area ever in the history of team sports. 
Like, I don't think we've seen anything like this. You say that people won't revolt and people will still buy tickets and all that. that. I'm Pete telling Rose you, like, this Cincinnati is never. Was a pretty, Pete Rose in Cincinnati is a pretty strong connection. Derek Jeter in New York. I mean, there's been a lot of yeah, but that, places Yeah, but where, they didn't, like, grow up there. And, like, all of the stuff about LeBron growing up in that area and But he's brought a championship back, and I think most Cavs fans are aware that he's not going to bring another one back. Yeah. I mean, leave. I don't know that that's true. I think if he's, you've got LeBron James, a lot of people still believe you've always got a chance. That he's going to leave with leave them with nothing. Let's go. Uh, let's go to trending here coming up. Let me get, ask Danny G because he hasn't stepped in yet. Danny G, anything from yesterday that you thought stood out that was worthy of really kind of focus that we haven't hit yet? Yeah, I, I like Magic's vision and what he's starting to do. It feels like Phase One kind of reminds me of how Reggie McKenzie was able to turn around my favorite football team in Oakland. The way he started was by getting rid of all the bad contracts just ridding them off the books, and then phase two, drafting well, and then becoming a force in free agency. So in L.A., the Laker fans and basketball fans here are really excited to see what's going to happen in the draft. And then I I really feel like, Clay, that he wants to add Paul George right now. And, of course, they're at an impasse because the Pacers just want a little too much. So it's a standoff for the moment, but I feel like in the next 48 hours, Magic is going to find a way to work his magic. Well, you know what's crazy about that is I feel like every day the Pacers gain less you know, like less yes. ability here because ultimately they're the ones that have a lot to lose. If Paul George does not come to the Lakers, the Lakers still have salary cap space. They can chase other players. If Paul George walks away at the end of next year and the Pacers get nothing, that's a team and a fan base that's going to explode in, in in anger because that's the worst situation that you can have is a top player leaves for nothing at all. All right, let's go find out what's trending now. And then on the flip side, we're going to talk to John Campbell from Odd Shark, try to get the gambling uh, you know, like kind of picture here. Is anybody going to be able to challenge the Warriors at all? What do these movements mean in terms of odds so far? We'll talk to him. But first, what's trending now? Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. As well, with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and, on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a, a more confident car buying experience. We bring in John Campbell on this Wednesday as we do on a fairly regular basis here to try to make sense of the overall landscape from a gambling perspective. He's at oddshark.com. Uh, and uh, John Campbell at Johnny Oddshark on Twitter. Lots of movement in the NBA. Have any of them in any way changed what is the storyline of the entire offseason, which is how prohibitive of a favorite the Golden State Warriors are what have we seen in the NBA in terms of the Warriors' chances going forward? Yeah, the, the short answer is is not really. Uh, the Warriors are still uh, around minus 150 to minus 175 to win the NBA championship uh, next year. The one we have seen a little bit of movement on is, is the Celtics. They were closer to 20 to 1 when we when this opened, and they're now. 10, 10 to 1, 11 to 1, 12 to 1. So I'm not sure what you can do to, to uh, change the Warriors and make them uh, smaller favorites here. We talked about this a little bit, but I think it's an underplayed story. The Warriors are a bigger favorite. I think this is true. You may have found somebody else than any team in modern history 
has been in the preseason in the history of modern history anyway, the Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, and obviously uh, and obviously every other sport, right? The NFL as well. How prohibitive of a favorite are they historically? Well, they're they're the biggest favorite I can remember. I I can't remember any team ever being minus money. I've been doing this fifteen years, and I can't remember a team being minus money or or, or even close to that really since I've been doing that. And I, I uh, racked my brain and went back trying to think about some of the craziest favorites in terms of futures and. The ones that, that, that jumped out to me, Tiger Woods used to be around even money sometimes when, when he was in his prime. And Annika Sorenstam used to be minus money sometimes. You'd see her minus 110 going into tournaments sometimes. And that, that to me, are the only, those are the only two that kind of stand out that would come even close. And, and for those ones we're talking about uh, going up against you know, far more competitors. So, I mean, this is historic. It, it, it's really crazy how big favorites they are. I saw early, I mean, obviously Markel Fultz in the NBA draft on Thursday has been a favorite by a massive amount to be the number one overall pick, even, even when the Celtics still had the pick. Obviously the Sixers are taking him number one overall. With the trades that the Lakers made, it seems that Lonzo Ball is going number two to them. I saw the offshores had Lonzo Ball number two to the Lakers at minus 200. Did we see those odds move very much with the Lakers trade with the uh, with the uh, the Nets? Um, no, but uh, but going back to the start, I mean, Fultz was was between minus 400 and minus 500 when this when these odds opened, and he's now minus 10,000. So uh, don't let anybody tell you that minus 400 is terrible value sometimes. If, if that's a lock, uh, that looking back, I mean, that, that's easy money. And, and ball's around 12 to 1 to be the number one pick. But we kind of know what's going to happen now. And we, so we haven't seen a ton of movement there recently. So you'd be very surprised and the odds makers would be too if Alonzo Ball doesn't go to the Lakers at number two. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any interesting NBA draft prop that's out there that has your attention? Well, there's all kinds. I mean, you, you can bet on uh, just about anything. And they have the over-under on on a number of players here. And De'Aaron Fox is, is over. The over-under is five on him. Um, Jason Tatum, the over, uh, over-under is four on him, which I think is interesting. I think, I, I think that's where he's going to go. Um, there's a couple other ones that you can bet on top freshmen, top ju- or how, how many freshmen, how many juniors, how many seniors. And, uh, an interesting one, how many Duke, Kentucky, and UCLA players will be in the first round? Over nine is at minus 140. I kind of like under there at even money. All right, John Campbell, we finally got this uh, Mayweather-McGregor fight, and I came on here and said the more I think about it, the more of a beatdown I think Conor McGregor is going to get. I think it's basically free money if you take Floyd Mayweather in this fight, but obviously there's going to be a lot of money bet between now and August 26th. You guys at Odd Shark have been tracking this this odds uh, line ever since it was rumored. You've been able to bet on it long before it was officially announced. What has that line looked like? How has it trended? What is going on right now in that McGregor-Mayweather fight? Well, I were, right before the, this fight was announced, or, or even right after, uh, Mayweather was favored at minus 1,000. And as usual with fights like this, we see a lot of underdog money, and, and that's what we've seen here. And uh, Mayweather's gone down to a minus 600 favorite, which is a, which is a pretty substantial move. And 
I'm with you. I, I, I don't know a ton about the fighting scene, but this just sounds crazy to me. I don't know how Mayweather won't win easily. So the fact this line is coming down and, and pretty dramatically uh, surprises me quite a bit. I think uh, if it's my first boxing fight ever, I don't know if I want to go up against the best pound-for-pound pound fighter of all time. No doubt at all. So if you were advising somebody, is minus 600 where this thing is going to end? Or do you think more money continues to come in on the underdog McGregor? And if you're a Mayweather guy, should you sit on the sideline and wait to pounce? Again, sometimes people say, oh, you can't make that much money by betting minus 600. But if you feel like your side is a lock, that's a pretty good return, right? When you look at like investments in general getting 8 or 9%, you're doing better than that. Yeah, absolutely, and and a lot of the old rules in betting are, are kind of going out the window, and, and we're seeing a lot of uh, bigger bettors kind of break these old rules where you would never take uh, a big favorite like this, and they're laying down a lot of money to win. In sports betting terms, it's it's a little profit, but in investing terms, it's actually a, a really good investment. And uh, so I, I think we'll definitely see more McGregor money. People love to bet the underdog, and, and I think he's going to be the, the one that kind of generates more publicity. So I think we will see more McGregor money come in. I don't think this line is going to come down a whole lot. I think if it does, I think that's when people, even the public, are really going to start coming back on Mayweather. Anything else we need to be aware of, John Campbell, oddshark.com. Obviously, this is a slow season when it comes to gambling, but anything else out there that you think is uh, is worthy of uh, note? Uh, yeah, the Colorado Rockies are one of the craziest baseball stories in betting uh, we've seen in a while. And if you're betting $100 a game on these guys, you're up over $2,000 this wow. year. Yeah, so they continue to win. They continue to be a great story. Second best in Major League Baseball is Houston, and they're at around $1,000. So uh, so keep betting them. They're, they They keep winning. Outstanding stuff as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot, Clay. That's John Campbell. He's at Johnny Oddshark on Twitter. You can check out the website, oddshark.com, if you are curious to see as these NBA trades happen, do they impact the overall title odds? One of the questions that I always have, and do they impact the individual team's chances of winning a championship as well? Not to mention this McGregor-Mayweather fight as we come up on August 26th. Lots of time still to talk about it, but if you're a gambler, it's fascinating to watch the line movement indeed final segment of the hour coming up next i think we got some animal thunderdome news for you you're not going to want to miss it this is out get the coverage on fox sports radio live from the geico fox sports radio studios it is animal thunderdome time and as always we are going to make the world a better place with the animal thunderdome do you guys see before we even get to officially that do you guys see that michael phelps is racing a great white shark yeah, they're not in the same like enclosure. Now, if well, they were in the same that enclosure, would that would be the greatest thing ever. But I saw where – I should have asked uh, John Campbell about this. I saw where Odd Shark has put up odds, and I think the great white shark is a massive favorite here. Like Michael Phelps is a 6-1 to underdog. It's a little bit like McGregor Mayweather. I think the value here is on Phelps because the great white may not know the race is going on. Right? I mean, we don't know – what what's the enclosure look like? Have you seen pictures of what this is going to look like, Jason? No, I haven't. Um, Danny G or or Justin, have you guys seen any kind of picture of what this is supposed to look like? Yeah, it's like the the clear glass, like you see out in an aquarium. Yes, that's that's they're so they're side just by side, side, like by a parti- side. Is it a partition? Correct, like separating them. Yeah. yeah, that's what I assumed it would be. When is this race? It's during Shark Week, right on yeah. the Discovery Channel. 
Yeah. I don't even know when Shark Week is. It's always in August. Am I correct in that? Like, it's always kind of late in the summer, if I remember correctly. Because I end up watching a lot of Shark Week because there's nothing else on television. It'll be July the 23rd. It's called Phelps versus Shark, Great Gold versus Great White. What an incredible idea. I don't know who came up with that idea, but they definitely need a promotion. I'm it's watching like Chris, July. Chris Johnson and the uh, Cheetah. Yeah, July 23rd. I mean, the key is whether or not the animal knows it's in a race, I think, in <laughs> yeah. general. And also, how big is the enclosure? Can the shark go only one direction? Because sharks have to move to stay alive, I think, right? So if the shark can't turn, like if he's in some sort of like uh, lane where he has to only go forward, uh, then obviously that also has to factor in. I would love to get a shark expert on in advance of this uh, this race. Maybe we can get Michael we'll Phelps too. Yeah. Definitely uh, the height of Michael Phelps' uh, fame here to be racing a shark. But we have a couple of different stories, and they're pretty ridiculous, and we like to call it the Animal Thunderdome. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. This is Animal Thunderdome. Jason Martin, what do you got for us? This is on the short list of the greatest and most ridiculous stories ever to be mentioned on this show. In Australia, Clifton Beach, north of Cairns. All right, stop. Stop right now. Stop right now. Fake story. Fake story. I was going to share this one, but I had to do research. See, I was looking to see because it looks so ridiculous to me. I I was like, this can't be real, can it? I know. It's not real. I know. I just I th- it we needs don't want to go, be real. We don't want to go CNN, MSNBC, Fox News on you and bring All you right. fake news. Well, the Cairns Times, not a real newspaper. Okay, I was afraid that didn't it wasn't. happen. Okay, yes. good. All right. Well, that that's that's better because it was a ridiculous story. The other one is the most frightening story we've definitely ever told here, and that's the King Cobra in the front door in Malaysia. Did you see that? Yes. Okay. It is a giant king cobra first of all and it climbs up this door and there's a video and i can't i can't even look at it like i've seen the still shot i can't watch the video it climbed in through the window hung out in the house did its thing the most frightening thing about this they never managed to capture the snake they don't know what happened to it they don't know if it's inside they don't know if it's going to come back again this is as frightening as it gets like any chance that i ever had of going to malaysia completely over i do not play the snake game it absolutely will never happen and this cobra is not to be trifled with this thing is absolutely just frightening on 800 levels i think the cobra you can make an argument is the scariest animal in the world and look snakes are scary but at least most of the time they stay on the ground but the fact that the cobra rises up i mean it it probably gives people pinpricks and chills right now just thinking about a cobra like climbing up the side of a door and a, and a house to get inside. I believe you've got one for us, Justin. Uh, yes, over, over the weekend, a, a a famous matador was gored to death during a, a bullfight. Now, I mean, this happens fairly often because it's one of the more ridiculous, uh, in my opinion, occupations to have. But uh, there is video online. The audio is not that great, but it, it, the, the visuals pretty scary he's still alive as he's being carried out of the the bullfighting ring but he he later uh, succumbed to his injuries because he was gored in the lung and uh, also hit a couple of other uh, organs as well tough way to go yes. tough way to go speaking of tough way to go black bears i don't think it's racist to call them that black bears have killed two people in alaska including one guy who was in 
a race. He was just like a, a popular mountain race. He somehow went off the trail, this 16-year-old, and he got killed by a black bear. And then a little bit later, another guy got killed by a uh, – got mauled. Uh, and that was uh, 300 miles northeast of Anchorage. And this is crazy, but there was an underground gold mine. It's like that show uh, that I watched for a long time about the guys trying to find gold in Alaska. I don't even remember. What was it called? I can't remember the name of that show. But anyway, it was a pretty good show. Uh, but an underground gold mine reported an employee to take samples killed and another injured. So black bears are on the rampage. Two different people killed in Alaska. And this is crazy because, again, the Animal Thunderdome is rising up. Last fatal bear attack in the greater Anchorage era, 1995. So, man, I don't know what's going on, but the bears are out to get us. Again, Animal Thunderdome indeed. Going into hour two, boys and girls, we'll talk to my guy Jeff Schwartz as we do every single Wednesday. We'll make sense of the NBA trades and tell you whether or not there is going to be anything that happens today. What's going on with the Lakers and the Cavs and the Pacers? They're the big three. We'll talk about that next here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Hour two, Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. And then also, remember that your car's needs now come with a reward with the AutoZone Rewards Program. Spend $20 five times and earn a $20 reward. So sign up today. Get in the zone. AutoZone. So much uncertainty right now in the NBA. So much ridiculousness. It's already been better than the regular season. And even if none of these moves so far have impacted championship odds, there are three teams out there as we come up on the draft tomorrow that potentially at any moment today could make additional trades that impact overall the landscape of the NBA. And I think those three teams off the top, the Lakers, the Pacers, and the Cavs. The Lakers, it appears now, are going to take Lonzo Ball at number two overall. That is going to be incredibly entertaining to see how LeVar Ball, Lonzo Ball, Luke Walton, and company end up interacting. But there's also now a standstill between the Lakers and the Pacers over the second biggest issue going on right now, which is what's going to happen with Paul George. The biggest issue out there at the moment is the Cleveland Cavaliers and what in the world is going on with LeBron James that suddenly Paul George and Jimmy Butler both not interested in coming to play potentially for the Cavs because LeBron James might only be there one year. If the Cavs can't make a move, then they remain the second most likely team to win the NBA championship next year with the crew that they've got right now, but they fall way behind right now the Golden State Warriors and I think anybody who watched that series would know that basically the entirety of the NBA season is not going to be talking about what's going to happen on the court it's going to be talking about what LeBron James is going to do with decision 3.0 decision 1.0 was go to Miami decision 2.0 was come back to Cleveland what is decision 3.0 which will effectively end probably LeBron James's career in the NBA that's going to be the number one topic all offseason it really is 
And the Golden State Warriors, for all the drama last season, remember it's been almost a year since Kevin Durant announced on July 4th that he would be joining the Golden State Warriors, so far have been under the radar. Now, there's at least one other story out there. I tend to think there's nothing to this. It's the talk that Porzingis might be on the market with the Knicks. Uh, I I don't think Phil Jackson is going to make that move unless Phil Jackson is in the business of trying to destroy the New York Knicks, which maybe, to be fair, he is. Maybe he is uh, the ultimate insider trying to destroy the Knicks. It's better, I think, in the NBA when basketball is entertaining in the city of New York, but they haven't won a series in so long or been relevant in so long. I actually feel sorry for Knicks fans at this point. Uh, But to me, the biggest story right now, as I said, is what are the Cavs going to do? If you care about the overall landscape of the NBA, the Cavs are the only team that really has a chance right now to challenge the the Warriors. Now, the Spurs are also sitting out there. So far, the only news that we've seen out of San Antonio, and this is typically the case, is that they may be at least potentially considering making a run at Chris Paul and the Clippers. And the only news that we've seen so far from the Clippers is a leaked report that the Clippers were interested in potentially trading DeAndre Jordan in exchange for a draft pick. All of this circling around, all this drama, all this turmoil, all this uh, this, this, this tempest, is it going to actually lead this sound and fury to nothing? It sounds like it might in the end, especially if the Cavs don't make a move. Let's go around the, the, the horn here with the crew. Jeff Schwartz from... Uh, our buddy Jeff Schwartz, former NFL player, joins us every single Wednesday. He'll be in. He's a huge Lakers fan. We'll see what he thinks about these moves. And also we'll ask him about the Kaepernick uh, tweets and uh, and some other ridiculousness that is obviously taking place. We'll see who he likes in the Michael Phelps and the uh, the Shark Race as well. But let's go around the horn. Predictions. Predictions between now and Thursday. Anything that you think is going to happen that would kind of alter the NBA landscape I start with you Jason Martin not what has happened but anything out there that you're paying attention to you think could happen that would be a big story now between uh, now and the NBA draft on Thursday night tomorrow night I think I've got some information that people haven't heard yet this is from the Chicago Sun-Times just after midnight Jimmy Butler was warned Tuesday night to stay away from the Cavaliers. According to a Cleveland source close to the situation, several Cavs who had been prodding Butler to push for a trade from the Bulls over the last five days are now warning him to stay away from a, quote, suddenly volatile situation. It's no coincidence that as Butler was hearing from Cleveland players while vacationing in Europe, news broke that Dwayne Wade informed the Bulls he was exercising his $23.8 million option to return to his hometown team. Now here's where it gets interesting. Wade also is extremely close to LeBron James. So he knew about how upset James had been after Griffin was let go by Cleveland ownership. And then, even more interesting, Butler has been in the ear of free agent point guard Kyle Lowry as they're trying to get another like traditional point guard because Rondo doesn't really fit in the mix. But there's a new name that's popped up that is mentioned in this article. Through back channels... Kyrie Irving has let it be known that he'd be interested in coming to Chicago. The asking price a little bit too much for the Bulls, so a third team would have to be brought into the mix to make it work. So just looking at all of this and reading the tea leaves, and I said off the top, and before I read this article, I said there's something about this Jimmy Butler all of a sudden deciding because he cares big time about a championship. You've read that about him for a long time. If he doesn't want to go, there's something wrong in Cleveland, and it has to do with not thinking LeBron's going to be there long term or just seeing some kind of real serious turmoil in Cleveland. And you read through all of this, and it tells me, and you can inform this in terms of a prediction, Jimmy Butler's not going to Cleveland. Paul George's not going to Cleveland. 
And now I'm not sure anybody's going to stay in Cleveland if they can find a way out. I don't know. You you know, you made a point in the first hour when we talked about potentially Kyrie Irving saying he could force a trade. You know, it would be difficult if they wanted to keep him, they could keep him. But maybe he becomes such a malcontent that he fights his way out of town or, you know, I, I don't know exactly how it gets done. But that's a lot of information that seems to indicate that the Cleveland Cavaliers have completely detonated since the NBA Finals completely detonated because five days ago everybody was saying Jimmy Butler needed to come to Cleveland even as late as yesterday afternoon Jimmy Butler wanted to come to Cleveland and then last night the reports started to leak out that he was changing his mind really wanted to win in Chicago but you look at Chicago's situation they're nowhere in the vicinity of a championship so why would he not want to go to Cleveland it's because it's a complete dumpster fire in Cleveland based on all the stuff I just read you yeah, it's, it's a strange situation. And, and again, that's why I circle back around to I, I don't know what the long-range decision of LeBron James is, and, and I'm sure that nobody really knows. And maybe even LeBron himself doesn't know. But don't you have to go ahead and explore what the future might look like without LeBron James? Let's go into the L.A. crew. Guys, anything out there that you think, if you're predicting anything that you're paying attention to, not about necessarily what's happened. People can go back and listen on the podcast, everything that's happened. We'll obviously touch on that in hour three as well. But something that you think could happen in the next day and a half, basically, as we come up on the NBA draft. Yeah, I think it's really intriguing to talk about what could possibly happen with Lonzo Ball because sources yesterday had the Lakers trying to make a deal with the Sacramento Kings that would have switched them with uh, the Kings number five and number 10. That's what the Lakers would have got for their number two pick. So the Lakers would have had two picks in the top 10. And and, and what everybody was thinking was that the Lakers would deal number 10 to Indiana to get Paul, and they'd still have that number five pick to, say, draft a Jason Tatum or a De'Aaron Fox. So it feels like the Lakers are not 100% sold on Lonzo. So that, that's super intriguing. And that's a story that we've been talking about for months now is what's going to happen with the number two pick because I think Markel Fultz at the number one pick, if you paid attention, we had just had John Campbell on at the bottom of the first hour. He told us, look, I mean, it, that he has been, Fultz has a prohibitive favorite to be the number one overall pick for a long time, at least since the NBA lottery got done. And even before the lottery, before we knew who was picking at number one, he was the favorite. So it looks like Lonzo Ball is going to go two, but there's still a lot that can happen between now and the actual NBA draft tomorrow night. And anyway, the NBA regular season, so much drama. If you're not on Twitter, this is the time of year to be on Twitter because anything can happen if you like drama. The NBA uh, NBA kind of recalibrating and all these trades that are happening Definitely the most intriguing story that's happening in the world of sports right now. Okay, coming up next, our guy Jeff Schwartz. We'll ask him about Michael Phelps versus a shark. What does he want his Lakers to do? And also, is Colin Kaepernick done forever in the NFL? We will talk about all that and more with our guy Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman. He joins us every single Wednesday. He'll join us next here on Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, great news. Quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. As well, it's important that you should know that now is a fantastic time to buy a new Honda. Visit shophonda.com or visit your local Honda dealer today. We bring in our guy Jeff Schwartz at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz. You can follow him on Twitter. 
And we join him. Uh, we have him join us every single Wednesday. And he's with us now. Uh, Jeff, you're a Lakers guy. You grew up in L.A. How excited are you about the page finally being turned? The Mozgov contract is gone. One of the worst off seasons ever was the signing of Mozgov and Dang. And now it appears to L.A. if they can get things worked out. What do you want to see happen? Well, I'm just glad they finally have a direction. I feel like the, the last couple of years they had a, a management void, you know, between the passing of Dr. Buss and his kids taking over and it seemed like Mitch Kupchak, um, you know, wasn't really doing his job. And, of course, you had Kobe who was sort of trying to get players to come to L.A. and wasn't working. Um, so I'm glad they have a direction now. And, look, they cleared cap space. They had to get rid of Russell to do so. That's fine. They're going to draft Lonzo Ball. I think all indications are that's going to happen. And now that Magic is in charge, they have that, that closer now who can get the free agents to come to L.A. So if they end up, you know, they, if they end up shedding Dane's contract, too, they could end up with Lonzo Ball, Paul George, LeBron. And I tweeted this last night, if LeBron were to take less, they could probably end up with Westbrook as well in 2018 because he'll be a free agent. And um, you know, he's, a, he's an L.A. kid as well. That's been the long-range dream for Laker fans is that Russell Westbrook may leave OKC one day and come back home. Do you think there's any chance that happens? Yeah, why not? I think people I think people don't have forgotten that the Lakers are still the number one franchise in the NBA. Like if you had to rank the franchises, you know, that you wanted to play for if all if they're all at their prime and the, you know the Lakers are not at their prime, but if you had to rank them, the Lakers would far and above be number 1. And so you have a kid like Westbrook who grew up in L.A., uh, I assume idolizing Magic and, and Kobe and you know players that, that were um, playing when he was a kid. Of course he wanted to come back home and play, play with the Lakers. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz. He uh, now lives in Charlotte, grew up in L.A., and is a longtime NFL offensive lineman. Okay, we'll come back around to the NFL here in a little bit, but did, I'm sure you saw Colin Kaepernick's tweet comparing police officers to modern-day slave catchers. Uh, it was crazy uh, tweet to send out over the weekend. Do you think he'll ever play in the NFL again? I think that was his last straw, honestly. Um, and it was interesting because you know Mike Florio, who's defended Colin Kaepernick through the whole process, put out a post saying this is it for him um, because he understood the gravity of that tweet. And, you know, um, I know I'm on the liberal side. I think, I think of myself, I'm moving more toward a moderate just because I can't take some of the things that us liberals do all the time. And, you know, one of the things that I was really liberal about was the police shootings. And then, you know, talking to a really good friend of mine who's a, who's a cop and I've understand a little bit more of their mentality and what they go through. And, um, and to your point, you know, with the, with the jurors, I mean, it's, it's on them, right? I mean, the, that's why we have the system of checks and balances. Uh, we love as people who don't like Trump, we love how the courts are shutting down things he's doing. But then when the jury, uh, goes ahead and doesn't convict, you know, we're upset with that process as well. So um, with Kaepernick, though, I mean, he's done. I, I don't know how, after after that tweet, I just don't know how he's employable. I just don't see it. It's interesting you mentioned Trump because when I saw the Kaepernick tweet, I was like, at times Donald Trump's tweeting makes him his own worst enemy, right? There's people who are out there 100%. advocating for and trying to make his job better as president. And then he sends off a tweet, and it contradicts something else. I felt the same way about Colin Kaepernick's tweet. You know that, that the people who have been advocating that he should be able to play in the NFL, as soon as that tweet went out comparing modern day police officers to slave catchers, it's like he became unemployable. Now, maybe in October or November, if a starting quarterback gets hurt and a backup quarterback gets hurt, and a team is just desperate, 
they might call him because they're just so incredibly desperate. But if I had to bet right now, I believe that Colin Kaepernick will never take another snap as an NFL quarterback for the rest of his career. And if he doesn't do it this year, next year makes it even less likely. Like every year kind of going forward, it's a strange decision. He hasn't tweeted. I I saw my guy Jason, uh, I think it was Jason Whitlock pointing this out, or maybe it was Colin Cowherd. He hasn't tweeted anything about sports, uh, about about being a uh, football player since I think it was like May of 2016. Like it's all about activism since then. It's as if he's given up on the idea of being a football player. You know, and and teams look at things like that. Um, and look, I, they they want us to be robots, right? They want us to only care about football, and they understand that we don't, right? We have families. There's obviously social um, issues that we care about as players, and there are there are plenty of players who tweet about social issues, you know, and talk about them. Obviously, in Seattle with Bennett and Sherman, but you know, a guy like Chris Long, if you follow on Twitter, he's a great Twitter follower. He's constantly talking about politics as well and, and social issues, and, and he obviously is, is employed as well. But teams want to know that you're committed to playing football. And I think that when Pete Carroll talked to Colin Kaepernick, I think that's what that meeting was about when he went to Seattle, and he determined after talking to him that football is not uh, his number one priority right now. And that's, that's huge for coaches. Like when, they, when we go to the combine and we prep for going to the combine, the number one thing we prep for – um, is questions about our love of football. Um, you know, they, our agents prep us. Hey, when they ask because even you, if you don't love football, you have to claim that it's all you care about in life, right? Like it's the greatest yeah, thing that you've ever and, seen. And look, I don't know if you read that story yesterday about the Ryan O'Callaghan, the, um, the kid who played. He played uh, I think six years in the NFL, and you know he he just came out as gay, but he was obviously in the NFL, and like he was tormented by by that fact, and he tried to play in the NFL. Um, being tormented by the fact that he couldn't come out, right? And so just one tiny distraction like that can really hurt a player. He, he was the Morris Trophy winner in the Pac-12, um, which means he's the most outstanding lineman. So he should have been a really good player in the NFL. But one little distraction, which is a huge distraction for him, obviously. But that's the way teams feel about distractions. It's tough like to, it's tough, um, to play through them, and they want you to just be focused 100% on football. And if you're not, obviously that's an issue going forward. Um, There have been a couple of different moves that have been made in the offseason. One of them is the uh, – that's gotten a lot of attention, obviously, is at least in the last couple of days, is the decision by the, uh, by the Tennessee Titans to add Eric Decker, wide receiver, at, uh, at, from the Jets. When you look at teams kind of coming back next year – I've been arguing the Titans are one that I expect to make a big leap. Are there teams out there right now in the NFL that you're looking at and you think, man, that team could be a lot better than people anticipate? How big of a jump do you think the Titans make? They won seven games last year, right? They won nine. It, they went nine and they, seven last year. They, I, I think they'll win nine. They'll yeah, win what, 11? Yeah, I think, I think they'll win the division. I'm not sure what they need to do to win the division. Nine and seven, they ended up losing the tie break to the Texans. Yeah. I think the Texans, obviously, we'll see how good Deshaun Watson is. We'll see whether Tom Savage is going to be the guy in the yeah. AFC South. Blake Bortles won't be as bad as he was last year, but I don't think he'll be that great. I think ultimately the division comes down, my personal belief, between the Colts and the Titans. How healthy is Andrew yeah. Luck going to be, and how healthy can the Titans keep Marcus Mariota? If the Titans keep him healthy, you know, it's an interesting opening week game. They play against the Raiders, and I think that could be the best matchup of young quarterbacks in the AFC between Derek yeah. Carr and Marcus Mariota. The Titans, I think, are around a one-point favorite. They host that game. 
if they win that game, then I think a lot of people are going to jump on the bandwagon and say, wow, this team can contend. I saw the bandwagon's already adding some uh, some interesting uh, additions. Peter King, <laughs> in his offseason column, picked the Titans to go to the AFC title game. So wow. I think the Titans are one that's going to make a big move. Cool. Is there somebody else out there that right. you think could be like able to take a strong direction, make a strong move? Look, I agree with you as far as, as the the talent and the hope of the Titans. I just it's tough for me to to pick a team um, who's the up and coming team because I feel like it takes one more year. So just like this year, everyone's excited about the Titans, and then the following year is when they really come into their own. Um, and so you know, if you look at the South, like I think if Deshaun Watson can some point play this season, the Texans are going to be they're going to be really good. Their defense is going to be good. They just need better quarterback play. Um, but to me, two teams jump out as making big jumps. And one of them, you're going to say, well, that's not a big jump, but it really is. The Browns, right? If they go from one win to five wins, that's a huge jump in one season. Four wins, huge jump. Um, I think they have the possibility to do that, which would be great for the organization. I think as much as, as, as crap as we gave the Browns for the way they've handled their front office with this money ball approach, you know, going from one to five, I think is a huge jump. And I, I think the Eagles – if you look at uh, DVOA, which is a stat for football outsiders, um, they, they have the Eagles ranked highly last year. And typically their, their rankings match um, kind of where teams end up in, in, in the season. So there's something a little off with the Eagles last year. I think they can make a, make a big jump this season. They added uh, some parts to help Wentz, and their defense was solid last year. I don't see that changing at all this year. We'll bring back Jeff Schwartz on the flip side here and ask him about the uh, Phelps versus the Great White, where he thinks the value oh, is there. Uh, <laughs> it's going to have him break down the tape on that one, and we'll also discuss the Cobra that got into the house in Malaysia and whether or not either of us will ever go to Malaysia. Plus, we'll continue to unpack some of this NBA draft drama as the NBA offseason is a lot more entertaining than the NBA regular season. All that next, but first, let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And with TrueCar, man, they have incredible offices in Santa Monica overlooking the Pacific Ocean. It's absolutely beautiful out there. You can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Talking to Jeff Schwartz, he's a former Oregon Duck. I don't think I've asked you about this, Jeff, since Chip Kelly signed on with ESPN to be a college football analyst. Obviously, the entire offseason much talk is going to be about where Chip Kelly goes next. And you actually had an intriguing perspective on Chip Kelly that you brought up last year when he was still coaching the San Francisco 49ers. You said you didn't think he would become a head coach of a college team unless they were a Nike school. Explain. Yeah, I think his relationship with with Phil Knight is is so great that he would not um, jeopardize it by going uh, to an Adidas or Under Armour school. And look, I don't have any insight on this. I don't talk to Chip about it, but you know, they're, they're best buds, um, and I don't think you'd, you'd burn a bridge like that to go coach at a school. I mean, it's not like you know, the schools that we've mentioned, what, Notre Dame possibly, Tennessee, and obviously Tennessee's a Nike school, A&M maybe, right, Arkansas. I mean, Tennessee might be the best job in that as well, even though they're you know, even with being a Nike school. So you, think I just see him way, go- you think there's any way he'd go to UCLA? Um, no, I think that job would be too little for him. Um, I, I don't think you can recruit at UCLA like you can at, at, at other schools, even Oregon. I mean, Oregon's out-recruited UCLA for years now. 
Um, he'd have to change the culture a little bit at UCLA. Um, I think they're still, you know, they just they play down to opponents. <laughs> My daughter yelling in the background. They play they play down to opponents' um, offense. So I think that if I was <laughs> Chip Kelly, um, I would go to the SEC and, and try to go to the best schools possible. Where I could recruit the best as well. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz and also his daughter in the background giving us a uh, early morning. Uh, uh, there's so many parents who have to deal with this too. I got young kids everywhere. Um, when you look, okay, so w- this, I said you're going to have you break down this. The Phelps versus a great white. Which side of the angle are you on there right now? So the the key is here, the the odds are out because you can gamble on anything. Our guys at Odd Shark have these odds, and I tweeted this out. I'm going to pull it up and give you the actual odds. Um, let's see. And also, we got to talk about this Cobra. In, uh, but who will win the race between Michael Phelps and the Great White Shark? Right now, Phelps is plus 600. So that means you put down a dollar, you get six back. The Great White Shark is minus 1,200. Which way are you leaning? Well, then the key question here is, does the shark know he's racing? Like, I, yeah, I, I don't I know. Like, I don't understand how the shark can know this. Um, what are they doing? So I assume they're not going to race at the same time, right? They're going to have the shark race and then No, no, they're going to be, the they're gonna be the same time. They have like a, uh, I don't know what it is, like a is plexiglass a between divider? them. Yeah, it's a pool with a divider. <laughs> the shark's going to try to eat him the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of scary in and of itself. I'm going to be honest with you. I wouldn't get into a – like, I'm so – like, Jaws came out 42 years ago yesterday, right? And my yeah. contention is that Jaws is the single most influential movie in the history of mankind, right? Like, I mean, I mean that seriously. Can you think of a movie that has had more of an impact on human decision-making than Jaws? Because I guarantee you – I don't know what the thought process was about sharks in the ocean before Jaws came out, but I guarantee you there's not a single person who goes into the ocean – that doesn't think about sharks. And I think a big part of that is what happened with, with Jaws, right? Like, I think Jaws oh, totally. is the most influential movie of all time in that people still think about it whenever they go into the ocean every single yeah. time, and it's all related to that. I can't think of a movie otherwise that's that in, of any age that has that much of an impact on day-to-day thought. Like, everybody worries about getting eaten by a shark when they go into the ocean now. And now, and like, in Manhattan Beach, the sharks just show up now all of a sudden. They're not supposed to be there. So if you're, it's even worse now if you're in Southern California. Not just sharks, um, great white sharks. I know. So, like, okay, my question about the race, too, is so the shark obviously will have, like, a bait in front of him, right, to get him to swim. I don't know. Team. I but, don't know. We need so, to get more. Before I can gamble, we need to get the expert who's so, setting up. We need to get the guy who's, like, in charge of this idea to figure out shark, exactly. Can the shark jump over the barrier, though? I, I'm telling you, I wouldn't get, you know, there's people who, like, get into those shark cages and go underwater and, like, swim around, and they think they're in the shark cage. I, I'm not sure I would get in. The cage. Yeah, I'm not sure I would get in the shark cage. Just to be honest, like, and would I'm, you would you get in a shark cage to go see sharks underwater? No, that's why they have. And shark so week. the same way I'm, I'm I wouldn't. Not, if I were Phelps, I'm not sure that I would get into the. Even if they said this is completely safe, if it's a plexiglass thing and I can see the shark right beside me, I'd be too scared to do that. Like I, I'm the guy who. Like, I was in Chicago, and, you know, you can go out onto the uh, – but they have all these things now where, like, they have – I think they have a pool, like, somewhere, too, where it's like a glass-bottom pool, and you right. feel like, you know, you're over the oh, – yeah. like, you can oh, see all the yeah, way you down. Can step out. You can step out. They have one in the Grand Canyon, right? We could step out, like, and overlook the Grand Canyon. Yeah, I I'm can't not, do that. I'm too much no, no, of, no. A, of, a, of a wuss when it comes to heights. Same thing happened, and it used to be the Sears Tower. I don't know what it's called now. Like, they've changed the name to the big building in Chicago. You can walk out, and it's clear plex, you know, clear plastic beneath you. 
and I was terrified to do that. Like we got our family picture taken standing there with the with the clear, you know, like even though I knew there was an ability to stand there, like I wasn't willing to do it. There's no way I'm swimming against a shark. There's no way I'm going to Malaysia now after seeing that 10 foot cobra just sneak his way into the house like that. Yeah, you what tweeted the, that out. Who was the dude? Who was the dude filming that? Just standing there, like, oh, maybe the cobra won't attack me. Like, I, I, just, I made the course, argument. Man. Can you think of a scarier animal on the on the scary animal power rankings? My number one is the cobra. I can't think of an animal that's scarier to me than the cobra. Now I understand saltwater crocodiles, great white sharks, all that stuff, but you have to be in the water really to be in, impacted by them, right? The the I cobra like could theoretically be anywhere. I feel like a rattlesnake though, because you could be walking in the desert in Arizona. You know, like there's there's parts of of Scottsdale you can go kind of just like. A little bit out of Scottsdale, and this would be just you just hear a rattle. You don't know where it's coming from, and then boom, you get you get struck. I feel like that's pretty scary too. Yeah, but I, I'm not a uh, I'm not terrified of the uh, of in general the, uh, the the rattlesnake because again, like it doesn't stand up. Maybe this is also Raiders of the Lost Ark where we have all this different stuff. Um, it, it's pretty crazy to think about. By the way, you grew up a Dodgers fan, right? No, I did and not. I thought you were no, a Dodgers fan. Oh, you're a no, Giants I'm a, fan. I'm a Giants fan. Oh, no. No, absolutely not. So why I, did you end I, up I a Giants hate, fan even though you Dodgers. were in L.A.? Why do you hate the Dodgers? Like, they're the only team I – we're in the Hus- Washington Huskies. Uh, my dad's from the Bay Area. So when I was, was a kid, I was allowed to root for the Niners um, and the Giants. And then basketball, he was a Celtics fan because of, um, you know, just he like – they were always on TV, I guess, when he was a kid. The Warriors were, were bad. So he just – he, like, let me choose – yeah, you know, we had we had season tickets to Lakers. That's why I became a Lakers fan. How good were your season tickets for the Lakers? Um, we split them three with three with two other families, so three ways. They were third row from the top at the form. Oh, I way at the it. top. Yeah, it was great because so Chick Hearn and Stu Lance used to used to call the game. Oh, used to call the game from um, from like up in the stands, not on the floor like they do now. So we were just above them. So I got to walk past Chuck Turner and Stu Lance um, every, every game, every time I went. I and mean, the form was awesome. It was like intimate. They had a jazz band playing, Laker girls. It was so much fun. Uh, final question for you uh, as, we, as we roll out uh, here and also as your daughter screams in the background. Have you taken <laughs> the kids to see Cars 3 yet? No. So this is a, a debate I have I, uh, with, with my wife the other day. So my son will turn three soon. So yeah. I think he can do it if we go before his nap is at twelve thirty. So we go at like a ten o'clock showing, ten thirty showing. I think he'll be fine. Give him popcorn. Sit there. He watches cars. He, he he likes the movies. So I think we could get him there at ten thirty, ten ten thirty if they have him that early. Give him some popcorn. Give him some milk, and he'll sit through it. Yeah, that's a big debate here. We're taking my two and a half year old to go see Cars Three. He's obsessed with Lightning McQueen. Maybe today. So pray for me. Good luck with your this daughter. Thanks one, for joining this us. This little one ain't going. This little one ain't going. To cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not going anywhere. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, Jeff Schwartz, Mr. Mom, there with his daughter in the background, joins us every single Wednesday. I am Clay Travis. Final segment, hour two, coming up next. Is there any NBA trade news? I'm not sure, but I do know that even though Jeff Schwartz is not a fan of the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger, he had himself a game. You're going to want to hear about what he has managed to pull off so far as the Dodgers now, the second most likely team behind uh, the Cubs, and maybe the third most likely team, the Cubs and the Nationals right now favored to win the NL pennant. Right behind them is the Dodgers. What did Cody Bellinger pull off? We'll tell you next here on Outkate the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, going to get to the performances by Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger. And I've got some trivia for the crew. I'm curious if we can figure out what all of these numbers are. Aaron Judge, 24 home runs on the year, the Yankees rookie. And Cody Bellinger, also the Dodgers rookie, I believe, right, with 22 home runs. And last night, it got ugly for the Mets. The Dodgers hosted the New York Mets, beat them down, pounding them 12-0. Cody Bellinger blasted his 22nd home run, added to his Rookie of the Year case. But this was all about Corey Seager. In fact, he went yard three different times, and here's one of them. Fly ball, left field. Cespin is going back, way back at the wall. Seager has just hit his third of the night. A three-run shot. For the Dodgers, it's a perfect 10 to nothing. That call courtesy of AM570, our affiliate out in L.A., as well as the Dodgers radio network. Seager hit three last night, and here's a wild stat for you. Dodgers have hit 27 home runs in their last 10 games. Is the ball juiced? Maybe guys aren't using steroids, but there's an awful lot of home runs going on. That's a historic stretch for the Dodgers. The most powerful 10-game hitting stretch in 134 years of Dodgers baseball. That's your Geico play of the day. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. And here's what's kind of crazy about baseball right now. Okay, We got two guys, Rookie of the Year candidates, who also potentially are MVP candidates. Aaron Judge with 24, Cody Bellinger with 22. I'm looking at their stats. I was like, okay, how are they doing? And all the different things that come after these home runs. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I'm old enough to remember getting the newspaper and like looking up the box score and not knowing what was going to happen in the game. And so when I, w- I would wake up the next morning, especially if it was a West Coast game, I grew up a huge Cincinnati Reds fan. I'd go to the box score. What did Eric Davis do? What did Barry Larkin do? What did the Reds do? Like I'd get the newspaper and look at the actual box score. And you'd get the home run list, and they would rank the guys who were uh, who would hit the most home runs. You'd look at it. Here is all the data now that they give you on home runs. And I am just happen to be on right now the ESPN.com home run leaders list in Major League Baseball. So Aaron Judge with 24 home runs, Cody Bellinger with 22. Right now, both of those guys, according to this projection, are expected to get 50 home runs or more. Aaron Judge on pace for 57, and... Cody Bellinger on pace for 50. Here's where things get crazy. There's something, here's all the different data they have on these home runs. All right. I'm going to give them to you. I have no idea what these actually all mean. The first data point I get is apex. And for Aaron Judge, the apex is 93.67. For Cody Bellinger, it's 83.23. I'm assuming his apex, like the highest the ball gets in the air. Anybody know? Nope. Any ideas, L.A., any ideas? All right, first stat after home runs, Apex. Next one is D-I-S-T. I'm guessing that's for distance. They now measure the average home run distance. Aaron Judge averaging 413 feet. The next one is SPD speed. Is that like the speed of the ball off their bat? Yeah, that's what that is. When did this start that they can keep get that stat? They started that like four seasons ago. All right, I had no idea that was I have all on. this. I have a glossary in front of me now, so we're good to go. All right, the next one is duration. Like they can ki- Ooh, is that sorry. is that how long the ball's in the air? 
It's how, probably how long it takes for it to get out of the yard, like off from from off the bat to over the fence. Uh, I think it's probably the amount of time could the ball's be in, in the, the air. In the could air. be, but I mean, usually I think, when it's when it gets over the fence, most of the time it's about a second or two before it's in the seats and it's done. Yeah. All right. So parks. What does parks mean? The value indicates the number of MLB ballparks out of 30 in which the ball in question would have been a home run if the ball had been struck in weather conditions of 70 <laughs> degrees and no wind. What an unbelievable what? stat that is. I, I hate how? baseball. I, I freaking hate no, baseball. Wait, wait. That deserves one of these. Take that for data. <laughs> did any, a whole hey, man, lot of data. Did anybody know that was a stat? Like, I'm looking at these and I'm like, I, when I was a kid, all we got was the home run total. Like, you look and you just get the home run total. We got projected home runs now. We got apex. We got distribution or distance. We got speed. We got duration. We've got parks. So this is taking into account how many home runs they would have in an average baseball park. What is that stat you just read again? Parks. This value. I'm going to reread this because it's so crazy. (laughs) This value. This is one sentence. This value indicates the number of MLB ballparks out of 30 in which the ball in question would have been a home run if the ball had been struck in weather conditions of 70 degrees and no wind. It's amazing. Well, that makes sense because usually home runs are only hit at this rate in Colorado or Cincinnati. (laughs) That's true. All right. So there's two evidently Marcel Ozuna and let's see Justin Bauer who should have 27 and 28 home runs, respectively, if they were playing anywhere else. And Giancarlo Stanton, too. So uh, that's according to the park stat, which I've never heard before until I just looked this up. All right, next one is ND. What does ND stand for? I have no idea. I believe that. I'm going to assume, because it's not written on here, that it's no doubt home run. ND, that would make sense, means the ball cleared the fence by at least 20 vertical feet and landed at least 50 feet past the fence. Who are these losers keeping track this of is all why this I hate data? Baseball. <laughs> this is why I hate baseball. Can you imagine the nerds? Like, rotisserie baseball and all the stuff, the sabermetrics and everything that came from baseball, like, all of this is nonsense. Like, I can watch a baseball game, but if you start throwing all this at me, I'm done, man. Like, I was finished with math in school. Like, I'm not doing any more math unless we're timing out radio shows. That's uh, it. Like, all this stuff, no. All right, the next category for home run. Again, if you're just tuning in, what I am doing, I just happened. I was like, I want to know how these guys are looking, you know, for home run list. I just wanted to look up who was leading Major League Baseball in home runs. And it's Aaron Judge, Cody Bellinger, both rookies. Uh, Aaron Judge with 24 for the Yankees and Cody Bellinger with 22 for the Dodgers. And then all these different data points, apex, distance, Speed, duration, parks, ND, which we're saying no doubt. The next one is JE. Yeah, that's just enough home run. Just <laughs> means the ball cleared the fence by less than 10 vertical feet or that it landed less than one fence height past the fence. These are the ones that barely made it over. Just enough. Like, this is an actual category. We've got it no is. doubt and just enough home runs. And yes. then the final category here win percentage delta which I, I don't even know what that means. I mean, that sounds like something that would be said into a, uh, into a uh, microphone during a, uh, like a Navy SEAL raid. I have no idea what win percentage delta is. That's not in my glossary at all. Hmm. What, what does it say for each player? I mean, everybody's win percentage delta is different. I mean, the, I don't know if it's good or bad to be low or high, so that's the, not helping me here. I'm, assuming I'm guessing that- when in the game they hit most of their home runs. And how it equates to winning. Right. Because one thing about Bellinger that people have been making a fuss about in Southern California, the majority of his home runs have come late in games to help the Ws. 
All right, so anyway, he's got uh, – Judge has got a 10.1 win percentage delta, and Bellinger has a 10.2%. Like, does anybody actually look at that? I mean, I'm blown away that all these stats are actually out there. And the guy who has the highest win percentage delta, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, right now is Ryan Zimmerman of the Washington Nationals. It's not a numbers a guy, thing, but that doesn't seem to add up. He's got an – yeah, he's got an 184 Win percentage delta. I, again, I have no idea what any of this means. I consider I myself thought, a baseball fan, and this is the first time I've ever heard of all of those. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, I just wanted to know who had the most home runs, and then I look at all this data, and I have no idea what's going on. My head is swimming. Am I an idiot, or is everybody else out there as confused by all this as I am? Who are these people with all this time who are keeping track of all this data? I have no idea. We'll take that for data and come back to you. Final hour coming up next. We'll make sense of the NBA, or at least try, on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios. Got to confess, I'm still a little bit baffled by all the data surrounding home runs now. Brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. As well, your car's needs now come with a reward with the AutoZone Rewards Program. Spend $20 five times and earn a $20 reward. So sign up today. Get in the zone. AutoZone. I'm still, I mean, are you guys as blown away as I am by all the ridiculousness surrounding home runs? Like, if you're just tuning in right now across the nation, first of all, good morning to you. Secondly, all I was trying to do was find out who was leading the league in home runs and how much they were leading by. And this is the number of stats that now exist when you look at home runs. Okay, so Aaron Judge, New York Yankees, 24 home runs. Cody Bellinger, 22. Projected home runs, okay. Like, that's the first stat I see. And again, I just Googled it. So this is the top result that comes up. Then I get Apex. Then I get Dist, which I'm assuming is Distance. Then I get Speed. Then I get Duration. Then I get Parks. Then I get Indies. Then I get JEs. Then I get win percentage delta on home runs, and I'm just baffled. People are like, they use sonar now to track everything in Major League Baseball parks. I'm glad this doesn't exist for sex. I'm just the first thing that I'm thinking is like, man, I, I don't I don't need all this all this da- all this data. <laughs> Did I get the home run or not? Is a question, generally speaking, that uh, that I want to know the answer to. All this stuff, I don't even have any 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 like who in the world, what losers are keeping track of all this stuff. Yeah, I don't get it. I've been trying since we did that segment to find win percentage delta online, and I can't do it. Like, I can't search it. I've tried numerous different ways to get it to come up. It does not. I've gone to airlines. Like, it sent me to airline websites, to Dell, to all sorts of things. I, I don't know that that exists. Like, I'm not sure that's a real thing. It's how it many is. times they've hooked up with Delta uh, stewardesses. Or getting dragged off Delta planes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Was United, or I can't even. Anyway, when somebody dragged him off the plane, somebody says, uh, reaches out to us and says, well, Delta means change. Yeah, that doesn't really help me very much. <laughs> is it a good change or a bad change? Like, we haven't figured out what win percentage Delta. Like, is it a good thing for the number to be low, or is it a good thing for the number to be high? I'm guessing high, but I don't know that for a fact. I don't have, in fact, any idea whether this Delta win percentage thing is. And the craziest stat to me, again, is Parks. Like, they have a stat for how many home runs you would have hit. What is the stat, Jason? How specific was it? I'll have to bring it back up, but basically it was specific like enough to say. 70-degree day in an average 70, Major yeah. League Baseball park. 70-degree day with a certain type of wind all had to factor into how many home or how many parks in the, in major, in the major leagues that this ball would have actually been a home run in. 
And so it's kind of like somebody somebody did text me and say that it's kind of like that that feels like the RPI in basketball, or, and that's not that's not far off. That's probably actually fairly close. We're drowning in data, and again, it's one ridiculous. of the big issues with data is take that for data as the uh, as the Memphis Grizzlies coach said is it good data or bad data like because you can drown in information and end up knowing a ton and not have it in any way actually help you right because you're focused on the wrong aspect for instance because you're sitting around like us trying to figure out what what home run percentage delta means or whatever the heck that thing was anyway that's what's going on right now. A lot of home runs being hit by two rookies in the uh, in the opposite sides of the coast, the Yankees and the Dodgers. Uh, we'll continue to uh, to update you on all the win percentage delta uh, as those uh, as those home runs continue to be hit. Big story, obviously, in the world of sports right now. We are a day and a half away tomorrow. Day and a half, if you count the evening. Tomorrow night, the NBA draft is going on. We know the overall number one pick. We now know we think the overall number two pick as a result of the Lakers trade. And if you're just waking up across the country, who knows what might transpire today? It's a good day to be active on Twitter. I'm at Clay Travis. You can go find me there. Jason Martin is at Jmart Outkick. Uh, Danny G and Justin, what are your uh, what are your handles? Mine's at Danny G Radio. And Justin <laughs> lost an opportunity to get himself a it's, plug there. No, because I know you're going to make fun of it. I'm, you I'm did ready the first to make time. fun of it because yeah. I know what it is. <laughs> it's the worst name ever. You know, you know what, Clay? He paused on purpose and looked at me, and I'm like, yeah, you could say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. go it's, right ahead. It's at a Bronco fan, UH Bronco fan. Oh, what yeah. are you thinking? I, I just I, I feel like people need to be given lessons in Twitter names. Like, I look at all these NBA guys' Twitter handles, and, like, sometimes it makes sense, right? Like, LeBron James is at King James. But I saw the other day where, where uh, De'Aaron Fox is, like, at Swiper the Fox or something like that. Like, how do you find those, right? Just make it your name or associate it with your name. That's how you build your brand. You don't build your brand like you, uh, you, you idiot, with your what – your, what is your name again? A Bronco fan? <laughs> Like, you can easily change your name. Like, you could be at Cooper on Fox, right? At Liar Liar. Or at Kid Liar Liar or whatever. (laughs) Like, whatever you want to brand yourself. And if you don't know, uh, Justin was the kid from Liar Liar. He used to be a child actor. But, like, just because you have a complicated name now doesn't mean you can't change it. So, if I were advising these guys, I'd always be like, think of what people are going to type in to try to find you and then use that as your name. And obviously, if your name is Joe Smith and everybody else has the exact same name as you, that's a difference maker. But for a guy like De'Aaron Fox, he could have easily been just at De'Aaron Fox, right? There's probably not a single other person before he became famous with that name. And if they did, he could be at De'Aaron Fox and whatever you know jersey number he likes to wear. So it would have been relatively easy to find him. I don't get it, right? Like I see some of these guys' Twitter handles, and I'm like, what advice were you getting? Here's my advice to all the high school kids driving into school right now. If you have a Twitter handle that is insanely difficult, other thing is don't put underscores. I'm incredibly anti-underscore. Like, yes. Nobody can find the underscore on the – like same thing with, with emails. Like your name is so important that you have to have an underscore there? No. I was trying to find – to the end, yeah. I was trying to find Paul George's Twitter handle the other day, and I was so frustrated because there were a few different ones listed because obviously a lot of the athletes, there's fake accounts. Right. And his real account is YG underscore Trace. Like and- why? <laughs> Just because you came well, – yeah – just because you came up with that handle before you were famous, once you become famous, they'll help you get your name at Twitter. 
they'll help you make sense so everybody can find it. Like YG underscore, what did you say it was? Trace, T-R-E-C-E. And I'm guessing the YG was for Young George. So I'm thinking, I think you're right. A lot of these handles were made when, you know, we were kids. Like 11 and 12-year-olds decide, okay, I'm going to make a Twitter handle. But but by the time you get to be an adult, it's the same thing with email addresses. Um, You know, if you have a, like, get rid of the ones, if you're applying for jobs, get rid of the ones that don't sound professional, right? (laughs) Like, if you are if you're trying to get hired at a law firm and your uh you know your email address is bangbus69 at aol.com I'm not hiring you even though the bangbus back in the day was an iconic porn website and you may have thought it was funny to have that as an email address like at some point just make it your name and you know at gmail or wherever you want to have it like have a legitimate sounding email address so in the same way you should have a legitimate sounding uh, Twitter handle, right? Like, I don't get the absurdity of like some how difficult some of these are to find. I I always think about this from a basic use standpoint. If somebody wants to find me, I want them to type Clay Travis in Twitter and for it to immediately come up. And that's why I'm at Clay Travis, literally as easy to find as possible. Now my name's not that common, so if for some reason you have a name that's not very common, then you can change it. Anyway. That's my rant for all the NBA guys because you're going to see these guys get drafted and their random Twitter handles are going to come up and they're going to look ridiculous and you're going to be like, why can't you just have your actual name instead of making me, what is Paul George again? (laughs) At YG underscore Trace. See, that's proof right there that it's not memorable. YG underscore Trace. If you use an underscore in your email address or in your Twitter handle or like your Instagram or whatever else, you should be slapped in the face with a catfish. I mean, it is a stupid decision. You should be penalized for it. There's no point in time where the underscore should ever be utilized. I shouldn't be sitting in front of my keyboard, like just staring at it right now. Like I've got my computer out right now. And even finding the underscore button frustrates me. Can right? I defend like, myself real quick here? No, you can't because you've Your made an awful, awful decision. No, I, I, look, when, the more popular and more well-known you become, I'm pretty sure if you type into the search box in, on Twitter, Paul George, he's going to be the first one that comes up regardless of what his actual at handle is. I, and I'm pretty sure if you type in Justin Cooper, I'm, I'm fairly confident I'm the first one that comes up. All right, I just typed in Paul I did. George. It does work. He's right about that. Yeah, but if what, you if type you're, it all what if you're not on Twitter, though? Because I was reading an article, and I was on the Internet, so I just went to my Google box real quick. I wasn't in my Twitter app, so that doesn't always work. Yeah, and the other thing is a lot of times you're trying to tag somebody, like in a tweet, and I think that's also like you're in a hurry, and, I, and I've got an opinion, and I want to tag somebody. It's it's almost impossible to find them. You know, like you, that. you can't like if I'm just sitting there and I hit the ad button. These are uh, first world problems, right? Obviously, when I hit the ad button, like you should, my first thought should be, okay, I can just put in your name, and it should be able to come up if you're famous. Um, and a lot of times that doesn't happen. By the way, the reason why we're talking about this, obviously the NBA draft going on on Thursday, uh, and if somehow you missed all the news yesterday, the Lakers have made a big trade. They've cleared up a lot of cap space. It looks like they're going to take Lonzo Ball at number two. We have a question about what the Cavs are going to do as Jimmy Butler and Paul George both reportedly not wanting to go to Cleveland to play with LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and Potentially they would trade Kevin Love, but that might not be happening. Dwight Howard is headed to Charlotte from Atlanta. The NBA is a little bit drunk, it seems. Everything crazy that can happen is happening. 
what is going to happen with Paul George? Will the Lakers get him this year? Will they roll the dice, not be able to get it done? Pacers wanting potentially that number two pick, holding out for it. Does someone blink? What's going to happen with the Lakers, the Pacers, and the Cavs? I think those are the three teams that are probably still at the top of the list creating some of this chaos. Uh, We asked earlier what we thought would happen. I gave predictions. You can go back and listen to the OutKick podcast, but I'm going to hit you guys now here, go around the horn. I believe that Paul George will play for the Lakers next year. That's my prediction right now. Do you guys agree with me that Paul George is going to go to the Lakers? Do you think he'll stick with the Pacers, or do you think he'll go elsewhere, Jason Martin? I think it'll be next year. I don't necessarily see it happening in the next 24 hours, although it could. But I absolutely 1,000% believe he's a Laker next year. I think that's where he wants to go. So he wants you think to get back the Pacers, to that area. You think the Pacers are going to keep him and just allow him to walk for nothing? Well, I don't necessarily know that. I don't know when. Look, it's like you've bought tickets that you're planning on scalping somewhere or you're trying to sell on you know one of these internet resale sites and you put them at an exorbitant price. And then three hours before the event, that price comes down because you don't want to lose all your money. So we could see the Pacers finally sort of back off a little bit and say, all right, we tried to ask for a King's ransom, but we get it. We don't really have any leverage here because everybody knows he's gone at the end of the season. So what will you offer us? So it's very possible it can get done. Just I don't what they're asking for right now is too much. They're going to have to come off of that, and I do think that that's that's a possibility. As it stands now with what they're asking for, he's not going to be there. If they change that, then I think he might be there. But he'll be there next year no matter what. In L.A., obviously, where people are in the middle of a Laker frenzy, maybe the Lakers, number two on the most delusional fan base in the NBA list behind the Spurs fans. How dare Spurs you? Fans still, Spurs fans still <laughs> sitting out there saying, if you know what would have happened? If Kawhi uh, Leonard hadn't uh, sprained his ankle, we would have beaten the Warriors. No, you wouldn't have. Shut up. You look like idiots. Uh, the, Spur, the Lakers are convinced that like uh, every top player in the NBA is going to be on their team within the next couple of years. But do you guys think that Paul George will be a Laker this coming season? It's kind of funny that you say that because uh, inside the hallways here, we have this game in L.A. that we play. It's called Hashtag Future Laker. And we have- <laughs> Please don't do this. We do, I've, I've seen this on the chat. Yes. You and Robert are completely ridiculous. <laughs> Jeff Schwartz is ridiculous. Oh, every Laker ridiculous. fan believes. Coop. We already had every Laker fan believes that everybody wants to be a Laker. Yeah. So like, Coop, Coop they just is in on this you're going to get everybody. Yes. So hashtag future Laker. Of course, Paul George this year. Hashtag future Laker. And then Le- what? And Russell then, Westbrook. Uh, yeah. LeBron James. LeBron and James. And also Anthony Davis. Right yeah. Why not have the unibrow? Oh, so, my gosh. <laughs> 1998 Michael Jordan. <laughs> now, now we say it half, half jokingly. The great thing about Jeff being with you earlier, he was saying it all as if it was a fact that they're all coming. So yeah, you guys are out of hand. Gotta love. Hashtag future Laker. Like, yes, uh, hashtag future Laker. So whenever we hear grumblings of a player not happy here, there we say we look at each other and we're like, hashtag future Laker. <laughs> Everybody headed yes, to the Lakers. They're all coming. Paul George is definitely going to be in purple and gold this coming season. Justin, I'm sure, hashtag future Laker, you agree? I agree, and I, but I think Jason laid it out perfectly. At the at what they're asking for, it's not going to happen, and I wouldn't want it to happen. But I do believe that they're going to lower their asking price because what other choice do they have? Lonzo Ball, hashtag future Laker. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Unless, right, so unless they do something with that number two pick, like what they were talking about with the Kings. I mean, that's intriguing, but that's all. I, that seems like a lot. Like I, I think you still want Lonzo Ball. 
if you're the Lakers rather than moving one of those two picks and then not necessarily having a point guard to go with Paul George. I think Lonzo Ball being the playmaker, the unselfish guy, he can make a jumper, but getting the ball to a Paul George, getting the ball inside hopefully to a Julius Randle if you're able to keep him and move Clarkson or something like that, I think that's a much better play than getting 5-10, and 10, trying to move one of those to get Paul George when you probably have an 85-90% to 90% chance of getting Paul George next year one way or the other without having to do that. Big question, what's their delta win percentage? We'll talk about that coming up soon. As well as, well as two teams that have actually stayed really quiet that were in the Final Four in the NBA, the Celtics and the Spurs. Are they going to try to make any moves? Do they believe the Warriors can be had? We'll talk about that. We've also got the anonymous mailbag coming up for you, and you're not going to want to miss this question. What happens when a guy knocks down a girl in a co-ed softball league and conflict ensues? Rough tag, how do you handle it? That's all the big questions that we're handling. Delta win percentage is going to be high or low, depending on which one is good. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Best, most popular thing we do at Outkick, the coverage website I run, does uh, millions of uh, readers a year, is the anonymous mailbag. It goes up every single Tuesday as soon as I finish this show, usually by around noon Eastern. Certainly by 11, eh, 11.30 Central, 12.30 Eastern, it's usually up. But you can go read it as well, but we're going to break it out on the radio as we have been doing for the past uh, several months off and on. We're going to obviously be doing it during the summer, and it's time for the Anonymous Mailbag. You've got mail, mother Anonymous Mailbag! Get on the Play, I played in a co-ed softball game last night, and I'm in a predicament. Long story short, I'm playing shortstop with the bases loaded and field a ground ball in the baseline. A girl runs right into me and flatbacks herself. I turn, too, because the play's still going on. I then check on the girl that ran into me, and after a minute, she's fine and heads back to the dugout. Then her friend starts laying into me and calling me all sorts of names. Whatever, I can handle insults. Here's where I need some advice. After the game, I'm walking to my car, and I see the girl was chirping with a few of her friends. They walk by, and out of nowhere, the girl throws some kind of alcoholic beverage in my face. It stings pretty bad, blinds me for a few minutes. So as I see it, I have one of four options because I obviously couldn't hit her. One, press charges, which I already filed a police report. Two, get her kicked out of the league. Three, sub on the team she is playing against next week and sort it out there. Four, debap and go about my business that some chick got away with blasting my face with a drink. What do I do? Several different levels to hit here. First of all, have you guys ever played co-ed sports around the horn? Jason Martin, Danny G, or Justin? Yeah, I mean, I've played co-ed softball. I've played a little bit of that. I've played like some flag football that was co-ed and stuff like that. That was sort of unorganized. Softball's the only, I think, organized co-ed stuff I've ever done. Yeah, same for me. I played co-ed softball before. All right, so the challenge when you're playing co-ed sports in general is not to hurt a girl. Right, I mean, I think everybody out there recognizes. Like, I've played co-ed kickball, I've played co-ed softball, I've played co-ed, I've played a lot of co-ed, co-ed flag football. Basically, if you can play it in, in intramurals or some point in time, I have played. So, 
the guy, I think, didn't do anything wrong based on the way he's describing it, although the reaction of the girls would suggest otherwise. Here's the deal. If you are a girl listening to this right now and you play co-ed sports, you have to understand that it's tougher than girl sports standing alone because the guys are bigger, stronger, and faster. And so what otherwise might not have been, and you know, like you're going to run into somebody and bounce back and get hurt if you're playing like, co- uh, like girls softball, the guy's bigger. So if he's playing shortstop and you run into him, you're going to bounce back farther. It's simple laws of physics. So the girls have to be tough, right? You have to be tougher as a girl when you're playing co-ed sports. Also, the guys, you have to be better at like, like I'll give you an example. When I would throw a kickball at a girl in co-ed softball, I mean, so co-ed kickball, I would throw it a little bit softer than I would a guy, right? And I wouldn't try to, you, you couldn't hit somebody in the head, but I certainly wouldn't go high. Now, you don't want to go too low because anybody who's played kickball remembers, like you can get them right in the legs and you just sweep their legs out from underneath them because if you get them tripped and everything else. So you try to go simple body, but I definitely would throw the ball softer at a girl right, than I would a guy because I'm not trying to like, I don't know, it's probably not fair, but I'm just, I'm bigger and stronger than the girl, so I'm not trying to peg her at the same level. Having said that, this girl's reaction way out of line, okay? You can't throw a beer at somebody, like liquor in their face, because you ran into them on the base paths. If this were guys, that ends in a fight. You also, as the guy though, you can't, first of all, you can't even file a police report on this. Are we do we agree around the horn that you cannot file a police yes. report on a girl who's angry at you in co-ed softball and throws alcohol in your face, Jason Martin? Yeah, you can't do that. Like that's that's patently Danny, absurd. I think yeah. is the phraseology on this show. <laughs> yeah, that Danny is, G and Justin can't yeah. file a police report at no, all. No, right? that's a pussy willow move. Total pussy willow yes. move to, to to decide to file a police report. So you certainly can't press charges. I would just let this go. And first of all. The guy says he's blinded for several minutes. What was in the liquor? What was in the in the beer? <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but I think you should be able to survive in less than several minutes. But I I, I understand like wanting to get this resolved in some way. You definitely can't sub on the, against the team that's playing against her next time and talk to her. It's likely that you will cross paths at some point. My bet is it's co-ed softball. She was drunk, and she overreacted. I'm also not sure if this was the friend who did this, or if this was the girl that you ran into. Either way, I think she probably feels bad about what she did. I think that likely if you see her again, you can be like, look, I didn't mean to knock you over, but I think you were kind of being a jerk when you threw liquor in my face after the game. And I think that probably resolves it. I don't think you escalate the situation. I think you just let it go and don't go anywhere further from here. Any disagreement with that advice? Nope. No, perfect advice for me. That's why I am the most reliable advice giver on the internet and on radio, and someday probably once more on television as well. We haven't taken any calls. I'm going to open up the phone lines, final half hour of the show, 877-996-6369. Going to dive back into all these big NBA stories. We'll close out talking about the NBA coming up, the draft, very soon. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage, but first, let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And with TrueCar, 
You can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Who's confident in the decisions that their teams are making right now in the NBA? I'm not sure. It's a total mess. It's a total jumble. And I think there are three teams that are right now in the central element of the decision-making that everybody's kind of using as the hub upon which everybody else spins off of, okay? The Lakers, the Pacers, and the Cavs. The Lakers, the Pacers, and the Cavs, if you dive into what's going on right now in the NBA – are the fulcrum, are the center point of everything else that's revolving around the NBA trade decisions, okay? The Lakers. The Lakers made some moves, got rid of an awful contract, and now have freed up their ability to, in theory, get Paul George in, which makes the Pacers another one of these major decision makers. What are the Pacers going to do? Are they going to call the Lakers bluff, say, no, we're not going to take the 27th and the 28th pick? No, we're not going to give you Paul George in exchange for one of the other guys that you're trying to give us, no, we are staying pat and we'll risk whether or not we can find a better deal or we'll risk whether or not Paul George re-ups with us or rides off into the sunset without receiving any compensation for him. And finally, the Cavs. Reports out that Paul George and Jimmy Butler both not interested in going to the Cavs. Decision to fire GM uh, David Griffin in the middle of his negotiating to add both of those players or you know one of those players in exchange for Kevin Love and particularly another team involved. It is all a mess right now with the Cavs. I've asked the question. I don't think it's a ridiculous one. Do you have to explore potentially trading LeBron James? Now, it would be a blockbuster. LeBron James has a no-trade clause in his contract. But if everybody right now is focused on, oh, the Pacers can't let Paul George walk and get nothing, why is no one pointing out that the Cavs face potentially the same situation? If LeBron James is going to leave for the Lakers or he's going to leave for somewhere else, and I think that's likely, I think decision 3.0 is going to be LeBron James leaving the Cavs. Why, if you aren't able to beat the Warriors, and I don't believe the Cavs are as presently constituted, that is Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love and LeBron James were fortunate to win one game in this most recent series. They had to play the greatest offensive game in the history of the NBA playoffs to beat the Warriors once. Why do we believe that they're capable of beating the Warriors even if they get there and win the Eastern Conference again? Why do we believe they're going to win the NBA Finals? And if you are a rational person, and maybe Dan Gilbert is rational, the owner of the Cavs, maybe he is not. But if you are looking at this and you're not going to be able to get Paul George or, obviously, Jimmy Butler based on the most recent reports, then what makes you think, having watched that series that just transpired, oh, we were close to winning an NBA title? If you are not going to add another NBA title, doesn't it make sense for the long-range future of the franchise to consider trying to work with LeBron James to find the destination that he wants to go to so that LeBron can get an earlier start on LeBron James' decision 3.0. If it's the Lakers, why not go ahead and let LeBron James go and join the Lakers and get something for him in exchange? Honest question. If you could get the number two pick, the number 27 pick, and the number 28 pick, and Julius Randle, is that a decision that you would make if you're the Cavs? That way you get to keep Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. You get three first-round picks. Maybe the Lakers would also toss in a couple of first-round picks in the years ahead. And you get Julius Randle. That's a good enough team to make the playoffs. 
Isn't that a decision you'd have to consider? Am I crazy for coming up with that idea? Let's go around the horn. If LeBron James is basically not going to come back to the Cavs, and if the free agents right now are making the decisions or players that you're trying to trade for, Jimmy Butler and uh, Paul George are both saying we don't want to go to Cleveland because we think LeBron's going to leave. Isn't it crazy for the Cavs not to get something for LeBron James? If you could get the number two pick, if you could get the number 27 pick, if you could get the number 28 pick, and you could get, let's say, Julius Randle or whoever else you like on the Cavs roster, or on the on the Lakers roster, isn't that a trade you have to make? Is that crazy to even think about? Let's bring in the crew. Would you make that trade, yes or no, Jason Martin? No. I mean, he's got a no-trade clause, and I don't think I know, he's going he to walk until he leaves. He's not going to agree to a trade. Why would he not agree to a trade? He's, he's not going to agree to a trade. I mean, if he's going to go somewhere, he'll make that decision on his own. But he still, but if, if he wants to go to the Lakers, if that's where he wants to go, if the Lakers would give up the 2, the 27, the 28, and Julius Randle and get LeBron James to L.A. a year earlier than he would otherwise go, why wouldn't he agree to that? Because I, honestly, I still, I'm still gonna have to see him leave Cleveland to believe it. Now I'm a little bit less sure about it than I was 24 hours ago. But the other thing is, again, I made this point, and I know you and I disagree pretty vehemently on this. Dan Gilbert can't trade him. He cannot trade the single most the connection between LeBron James and Cleveland. LeBron James in Ohio is stronger than any one athlete yeah. in, stop, in one stop area make, Stop making that argument. It's if, a good if argument. LeBron James, no, if LeBron James comes out, if Dan Gilbert comes out and says, look, LeBron let me know that he wanted to go to finish his career in L.A. We don't believe we have the team right now. You just watch this series. We don't believe we can win a series against the Golden State Warriors right now. Fans I've don't got care. two good parts in Kyrie Irving, and I've got Kevin Love, and now I've got three additional draft picks the future of the Cleveland Cavaliers franchise is bright. We're going to draft whoever we're going to draft it to. Maybe you trade that pick uh, and somebody really wants Alonzo Ball. You obviously, maybe you think Alonzo Ball could play alongside Kyrie Irving. I'm just saying, if you could get three first-round picks and potentially Julius Randle, maybe future first-round picks of the Lakers as well, or you get nothing at all when he goes and joins the Lakers in a year, don't you have to be a good businessman here? Everybody thinks that the Lakers are going to end up with everybody. Uh, Danny G and uh, He'd be and forced Justin. to sell the team, Clay. I'm telling I, you, it would be a riot. The fans totally, would absolutely lose their minds. I don't think you understand this one at all. You are totally out to lunch on this. Totally out to lunch. If LeBron James is going to leave for nothing, they rioted already over LeBron James leaving for nothing to go to Miami. If he's going to do it again, if he's going to go to L.A. in a year, and you're not going to win a title, again, I don't think that this team can beat the Warriors, then I think this is a trade that you have to contemplate. I don't think the fans believe that, though. Like I told you, like I said, when we kind of went back and forth on this the first time you asked it in the first hour, I don't think that any team that has LeBron James, especially one that beloved in terms of being in Cleveland, I think that fan base is completely blind to it. You may look at it analytically and say that they can't beat the Warriors, but I don't think any team that has LeBron James feels like they're out of it. I just don't. I don't think that fan base looks at LeBron James and says they can't win, especially when you also look I, I at think, Kyrie I think and it Kevin is Love. insane that everybody is saying you can't let Paul George walk and get nothing for him, and Paul George is a fraction of the player of LeBron James, and LeBron James is going to walk on the Cavs, and they're going to get nothing for him next year. If Danny G, Danny G and Justin, if the Lakers offered the number two, the number 27, the number 28, and let's say Julius Randle plus potential first-round picks – in the future, is that a trade you make if you're the Cavs? 
No, and I'm I'm with Jason on this one. I th- I don't think it would ever happen, ever. I th- I, I completely agree with Jason. Uh, I disagree with you, uh, Justin, and uh, sorry, J Mart, but I screw you, Danny. <laughs> I like that Clay is part of the hashtag Future oh, Laker game. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I love it. No, I, I knew it was going to come around to the Lakers. <laughs> He is going to walk out yes. on Cleveland and leave them with nothing. Well, but I, see, think it is I don't crazy. think he is. Yeah, that's I think he... it is crazy that everybody's focused on, like, oh, how can the Pacers let Paul George walk and get nothing for him? And LeBron flipping James is out here, Wait, there's a the difference, best player though, in basketball, and he's going to walk, and they're going to get nothing for him. But there's him. a difference. Paul George has said he's leaving. Right. LeBron yeah. James, you're not going to know he's leaving until the second he does. That's, That's how he be smart. He's already left you once. He's not going to stay in yeah, Cleveland. Yeah, but he also said in the Players' Tribune article when he came back to Cleveland, he wanted to finish his career there. Yeah, so what? He's not going to finish his career there. I think he is. I still, I'm still. So sticking you to think it LeBron James is going to just slowly fade into irrelevance in Cleveland for the last four or five years of his career? Look, they if, have no if, cap room. LeBron James is a smart guy. He's going to look around and say, my God, we have no chance to win another title at Cleveland with Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, and we've given way too much money to Tristan Thompson and way too much money to J.R. Smith. We can't get this done. Maybe we'll take a couple of your calls. Clearly, a bunch of people on this show are idiots, and I'm not one of them. Got to let LeBron go. Got to be smart. Got to let the Delta win percentage lead you to the right direction. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Show's in an uproar. Twitter's in an uproar. All because I asked a basic question. Everybody's focused on Paul George. Like, Paul George is the greatest player in the history of the NBA. And they're like, oh, the Pacers can never let Paul George leave without getting something for him. Paul George says he's going to leave, wants to play for the Lakers. And everybody's obsessed with what the Pacers are going to get. Are they going to roll the dice and say you know what, we're going to turn down this offer from you for the Lakers. Oh, you know what, Cavs, you can't make this happen. They're trying to get something for Paul George. And everybody is in unanimous agreement that it would be absurd of the Pacers to not get anything for Paul George and just let him walk at the end of the season. So, end of next season. So, I am asking what I think is a totally logical question. Why is everybody saying that about Paul George and nobody saying it about LeBron James? The best basketball player in the world is, I think, going to walk right out on the Cavs at the end of this season coming up. He has an opt-out provision. He can go anywhere he wants in the NBA. I think LeBron James is going to make a decision 3.0, and he's going to leave because I think if you look at Kevin Love, you look at Kyrie Irving, you look at what the Warriors are doing, given the salary cap constraints, there's no way the Cavs can make themselves appreciably better. You're already seeing that many people in the NBA – including Jimmy Butler and Paul George, don't want to go to the Cavs because they believe that exact thing is going to happen. Indeed, you're already hearing guys like Kyrie Irving saying, oh, I want out too. LeBron James is not going to come back. I don't want to be stuck in Cleveland. So my question for you is, if you are Dan Gilbert, everybody's out there screaming the Pacers can't let Paul George walk for nothing. Why is nobody talking about the fact that the Cavs are going to do exactly that for LeBron James? So I'm asking the question, why wouldn't you? Now, LeBron James has a no-trade clause, but if LeBron believes that he's going to do decision 3.0 now and he can sign off on it and be okay with it, 
if the Lakers called up, if Magic Johnson called up and said, hey, Dan Gilbert, I'll give you my two, my 27, my 28, and Julius Randle, and potentially a couple of more first-round picks in the next couple of years to get LeBron James right now, why wouldn't you make that trade, get all those first-round picks, as well as Julius Randle, preserve your team being decent with Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, and hope that whoever you drafted to is going to be able to turn into a superstar. Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving are still young. LeBron James is 32. Let him ride off into the great future. He's already brought a title to Cleveland. Say he's a great player. But you don't want to let the best player in the world leave for no compensation at all. How is that not a rational thought? Jason Martin says the entire city of Cleveland will burn. Everybody else is hashtag future Laker believing that LeBron James is going to join the Lakers. The only reason you don't make this move is if you think that LeBron James, one of two things, either you think you can beat the Warriors, and I don't, not with this team, or you think LeBron James is going to re-up with you and finish his career in Cleveland. I don't think either of those things are possible. So to me, as a business person, I want to get something for this asset that I have right now. I would take the 2, the 27, the 28, Julius Randle, and a couple of future first-round draft picks from the Lakers in exchange for LeBron James. Am I crazy for saying that? We put up a poll question, and I will tell you what the poll question results are. You can go find me at Clay Travis, and you can vote. I put up, LeBron is leaving the Cavs next year. Am I crazy to say the Cavs should explore trading him to the Lakers now? And again, LeBron James has a no-trade clause. All you no-trade clause losers out there, God, the number of people who immediately say, LeBron James has a no-trade clause. You're like a bunch of loser kids who are like tattletailing. I know he has a no-trade clause. He'd have to be involved and be okay with it. 500 votes. The world, not as convinced I'm crazy as I thought they might be. 52% of you are saying I'm crazy. 48% are saying that I am not crazy. And by the way, when I was making fun of uh, of uh, De'Aaron Fox's Twitter handle. Somebody said, oh, you know, it's actually really clever because Swiper the Fox is on Dora the Explorer. And so, he, yeah, I know that. I've got three kids, nine, six, and two. I've seen way too many Dora the Explorers. Do you think that the joke of De'Aaron Fox making with Swiper the Fox is worth not just being at De'Aaron Fox so that he can be Swiper underscore at the T-H-A Fox or whatever the heck he is? No, not a good trade. Just be your name, De'Aaron Fox. Make it easy to find. Don't be a ridiculous Twitter handle. That's my pitch to all of you out there, all 50 states as you start your day. Pick a decent Twitter handle. Go out there and be your name. Don't be a ridiculous name. Everybody agrees with me on that, right? By the way, Swiper the Fox, ridiculous Twitter handle for De'Aaron Fox to have. All right, so tomorrow we're probably going to talk about this even more, but... Leaving aside the fact that you believe the city of Cleveland will burn, am I not answer, asking a decent question? Why is nobody talking about the possibility of trading LeBron James, the best player in the world, and him walking out on the Cavs, whereas everybody is focused on the Pacers not being able to let go Paul George? That, at least, is illogical. Yes or no? Jason. I think your question's insane. I just, Stop. Sorry. Get, it's coming up. We're going to talk about this a lot more tomorrow. Is it not a logical question to ask? If everybody's obsessed with Paul George leaving and the Pacers getting nothing for him, how can you not focus on LeBron James 
They're not going to beat the Warriors, and he's going to leave. But you assume he's going to leave, but you're, you're acting like it's a fact that he's going to leave, and that's just not true. Paul George well, has why, said he's going to leave. That makes it a completely different argument that you, we'll discuss tomorrow. The fact that, that already Jimmy Butler and Paul George are not willing to go to Cleveland means he's going to leave. He's it doesn't out. mean that. It, it could does. mean that, but you don't know stop, it for sure. Stop it. You're sounding insane here on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.